Wait, where did Anna go? I am very disappointed because I thought we had this all teched out. I'm worried we both might have pressed record at the same time. This is why we have fallback methods of communication. Oh, wait, there you are. Yay! Oh, hi, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> It's only been it's only been like a few hours since I last saw you. Um, it's a very intimate AUA. Um, my fear has always been that we don't get very many people, but we've always gotten a few people. Oh, there's someone! Yay! Hi, Billy. It's still very intimate, which I'm I'm fine with. Um, let's As see. am I. I was very uh, worried though because I pressed record and then I was here and you were not, and I was like, "What? What happened?" I um. I pressed something that I don't, what, did I get small? Yeah, you suddenly got really small. I don't like that. Okay. Um, I was trying to make myself small, oh. like, for me. Oh, it works for both of us, though. That's the interesting thing. Yeah, like, I didn't want to be looking at myself. Like, I usually no. try to, you know. Oh, here we go. Send to wing. Wait. For those of you who were watching, you know, the many of you. Wait, no! <laughs> <laughs> So Crowdcast has clearly changed their their tech, and it actually looks fancier and and nicer. But, but it's, the it's that... not intuitive. All no. right, hold on. Let me see. What does this do? <laughs> Famous last words. What does this? What do? does this do? <laughs> and that's how World War Three started. Shall nope, I'm not going to mess game? anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, we can vamp for a little bit, or we can welcome our our, our uh, hearty crew. Um, mm -hmm. And Carrie, did Carrie go somewhere? Anyway, hi, Billy. Actually, I do have another question, which is, where are the questions? Oh, that is a good that is a good question. Because it's not where it normally is, so I'm. Huh. Let's see. Okay. Oh, here, I found them. Oh, you did? After Bayperl, do you have a unified theory about what distinguishes Bay trash from Emmerich trash? And do you have a preference? We have a theory. I think we talked about this, right? Do tell, remind me. I'm sorry. I'm still, I'm, I'm frustrated. Okay, oh, slide. I see the questions. I see the questions now. Okay, there we go. Got it. All right. Okay. Um, okay. So I we, we developed a theory about Bay versus Emmerich, didn't we? Right. Yeah, I think our, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, our theory was that, to be to be fair to both of them, they're both, well, <laughs> Bay is technically extremely good at a variety of things. Um, and so, like, even his worst trash, like, I, I think it's safe to say neither of us were real big fans of the Transformers film, but, like, there was, th there were things to watch, there were things that were interesting about it visually. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, you know, that's it. With Emmerich, there are two differences. Emmerich clearly has issues that he is working out. Like, you know, well, well I, I, mean, I think they both do. 
But well, yes, but they're different. But the Emmerich ones are like right on the the surface. Like Emmerich has divorced dad constantly. That is a trope in his, um, in all of his films. And the other weird difference I would argue is that Emmerich actually legitimately cares about, like, not so much the technical stuff, but the idea. He actually cares in the weird about the weird ideas more than Bay does. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's the difference. Is that Bay is a technician first, and he's a great technician. I, it sounds like we're damning here. Like it is, there's a reason why The Rock is an amazing film to look or Armageddon. Like these are, and these films have held up after 25 years of, of FX innovations and they're still amazing. So like, I, I, I say this with all, you know, it's not meant to belittle. Whereas Emmerich is a good, they're all goofier films. And like, you know, you laugh at them in a way that you don't necessarily always laugh at a Bay film, but like, also he cares, man. He like really does. Yeah, I think that we would say, like, I think we said this when we did um, Moonfall, like, Emmerich mm-hmm. is an auteur. Like, yeah. He, yeah. he has, like, I mean, I, I do weirdly admire Bay's craft, as people yeah. know. But I don't, also, he, I'm, you know what, it's not weird to admire Bay's craft. Oh, right, no, it's a tip, but it's all, it's all technique and yeah. no soul. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what we're saying. Actually, oh, the other, there is now. one other difference, which is, uh, there's just no other way to put it. Bay is just way more of a misogynist than Emmerich is. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, so, uh, Emmerich is gay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Um, which I think might mean make him just a little bit less toxic in his masculinity department. Not that there's something and not masculine. yeah watch it there you know cox but, but no, no, <laughs> that he has a he has a has lived a life in which yeah. he is more informed about other ways of being yes. than um than bay who is a notorious womanizer yeah <laughs> who's still not married and doesn't have kids whereas actually uh they both love their dogs yeah. they both have dogs i know that yeah. Um, and they yeah. both like blowing shit up. Like they both clearly like, like that. That's another. I mean, the, the thing they have in common is they're both disaster film. Right. And he, here's another difference, which is just we're just delineating the same difference in a way. But yeah. um, Emmerich has ambition that Bay doesn't have. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that is what makes he takes fucking swings. You know, <laughs> like he just goes for it in a way that is not. Like Bay is thinking about the audience all the time. Bay is like, I, will an audience do this? Will an audience like this or not? I do want to, like, again, I, I feel weird defending Bay here, but I do want to point out that there, you know, social scientists like to talk about sample bias. And I will say that one issue might be that I think Bay's better films aren't necessarily the sci fi films. Like we've, we talked about this Pain yeah, and Gain and Ambulance. Ambulance yet. Our, Pain and Gain is interesting. Ambulance was, was, is entertaining and interesting. Now, I don't think it actually holds up in the end. But to the extent that Bay actually has themes that he he tries to, and we talked about some of them in some ways, you know, they're at play a little more, I think, in a healthy way in those films as opposed to, let's say, you know, Transformers or something like that. Um, but you're right. Like Emmerich, you know, it's it's different. His heart is, yeah, on, in his sci-fi films, and it's weird because in his non-sci-fi films, they're, it's weirder. Like he did The Patriot, I think. He directed The Patriot yeah. with Mel Gibson, which is, a strange film in a couple of ways, but on the other hand, in his sci-fi films, he really does like he's a mega structuralist, or you know. He... <laughs> All right. Well, that's one question which we riffed on for ten minutes. So, um, yeah. thank you, Carrie. Although I see we have a couple more people that have joined, and we have another question. Doug, Doug is there. Hi, Doug. Um, yes, 
Austin or Boston for bad drivers? <sighs> okay. I'm probably going to say Boston, but I want to point out something here, which is, is it that Boston has worse drivers or that Boston roads make less sense? See, I think that it's a, it's the, it's the driving part that's the problem here, right? Like, is it the drivers or is it the road? But the roads, like, like I mean, you, I'm sure you've seen that meme where, like, there's a satellite photo of Manhattan and a satellite photo of Boston, and the satellite photo of Manhattan, which is the grid, of course, is like New York because you want to know where you're going, Boston because fuck you, you know. Well, so Austin's problem is it isn't laid. I mean, it's not a grid. No, right. It, it's a, it's a city designed for horses. Never forget that. Yeah, it's a city designed for horses, and there's like two main you know, thoroughfares and everything kind of just like there's I-35 and Mopac and. Oh, you mean in Austin. Okay. In Austin. Okay. And like, that's how you get around. And it's a city that's grown to be mm -hmm. a few million more than it was 10 years ago <laughs> or something. So we just have the really terrible traffic and none of it, because it's Texas, none of it's, I mean, there's like very little minimal zoning and whatnot. So mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's turned into sprawl in a way that. Um, Isn't Austin like now, it's one of the 10 largest cities, right? Yeah. 11. I think it's number 11. Oh, it's number 11. Okay. Yeah. But it's when much it, larger than Boston, I would say at this point. Um, like when I was growing up here too, it was a small town. Right. <laughs> the university was what was like 10. That was the main driver. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, um, I literally the university made up this university, like staff and students were like a huge chunk of the population of Austin. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I think it's the roads, although well, I will say this about Texas roads too, um, in Austin at least. I-35 being our main thoroughfare, and I don't know if this is true of Boston's main thoroughfares, I-35 goes through downtown, you are driving 70 miles an hour. Like with downtown, <laughs> I, I still am not used to it. Like. I'll tell you why I'm laughing in a second, but yeah. And the other thing about it is our, we have these interchanges that are like sky interchanges. Ah. And they are terrifying. I'm going to get, I'm going to find a picture of them. Those two things, they have nothing to do with whether people are bad drivers, but I find both of them like, why do that? Why do right. that to populace? <laughs> so Boston, as you, Boston actually got transformed by the big dig. Right. So, you know, 25 years ago, there were two highways. There was the Pike, I-90, and I-95 South. They divided Boston. Like, you know, there were parts of Boston because they were elevated. You had, they they literally, like, you know, divided the city. And so, like, if you went to, like, the South End, it was impossible to walk from there somewhere else. So it was ridiculous. Um, afterwards, they finally, you know, it took 20 years, but the Big Dig actually did, you know, as a city actually make it much easier because now like the, the city's unified. Uh, surprisingly, you cannot drive 70 miles an hour through the big dig, um, through the tunnels, just because it's never that light in terms of traffic. Like I would, there is a small part of me that would love to do it at two in the morning just to see like, could you actually then drive that fast underneath the city? I doubt you can. Um, but another reason, by the way, is that if you, if you're not from Boston, that is the most confusing goddamn you know, interchange. And I'm from Boston. Like, I, I, thank God when I moved here, GPS systems were finally, 
being available because like, you know, there were times where you'd on the, you were on the surface roads and you're trying to find the way to get to the pike. And like the pike would be a sign like this big with a little hat on it. And like, that's the only way you would know. But I will close with the following point here. Literally this morning, I went to go get bagels. And as I was coming back, I was at a stop sign. It was a four-way stop sign. There's cars on my right. You know, I get to the stop sign. The car on my right, definitely it was its turn. The truck goes. The car behind it immediately follows. Like, does not come to a stop. The guy is looking at me. I honk at him because, like, it was a clearly rude. And he just flips me the bird, and I flip him right back. So, you know, like, that's that. Boston drivers are worse. I will be perfectly willing to acknowledge that. Might have fewer firearms in the cars. That's the only thing I'm going to suggest. Yeah, no, I think that there probably are fewer. Although, yeah, no, Austin has. Austin even, I sometimes I have to remind people, like, Austin is still Texas. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, people are still kind of like, there's a lot of guns and a lot of attitude. Um, So I put in the chat two different articles where people ask, why are the interstates, like, why are the interchanges so high in Austin? And then one picture of the, infamous houston it's called the high five i think okay Um, yeah uh they are i mean you you don't i guess you can look at pictures you don't have to just trust me but they're terrifying like i don't and i guess it has to do with the lack of zoning or something um okay uh i'm gonna skip summer plans and go to what sort of stories genres could can make use of but in space (laughs) okay Uh, I would like to see, well, every just, just, I guess we have a very small audience here. <laughs> so maybe, so I'm going to assume people who happen to be here know that I love the mystery in space genre. We love the noir in noir space. in space, not mystery just noir, noir yeah. in space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I think beyond that, I am, I'll tell you, I'm not a fan necessarily of Western in space. I mean, really, to be a couple that I like, right? Yeah. Firefly, and I did like um, Prospect. Wait, is that what we want? Yeah, that's what the one with Pedro Pascal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it feels really cliche to me in a way. Like I don't know. Even the people seem to do it pretty well. I think it's because I don't generally like westerns. Hmm. Like, but I would totally watch. I actually read not about a year ago a romance in space. It was actually written by a romance novelist, which I didn't know until like I'd gotten kind of into it. Um, was it Stacey Abrams? <laughs> no, although she should because she does do that. Like I, you know, she's she. Oh, she, wrote, she was romance novel. I thought she had romance. She's a romance novelist, and she's also a huge Star Trek nerd. Right, but I don't know if she. Anyway, I'm not a huge romance novel fan, but I became impressed by the genre crossover as I was reading it. Um, it also, oh my God, it also was a mystery. That's why I picked it up. Ah, okay. And it turned out the author, what she mostly wrote was romance fiction. So, and I'm going to find it. I'll try you know what it. I would love to see? Like, so like, again, and it's, it's not even necessarily that these are my favorite genres period, but like rom-coms in space, like, you know, like, so it's always like, like what you were saying, romance, but like, I actually like the idea of a rom-com in space. Also Bollywood in space. Nice. That would yeah. be interesting, you know. In space musical? Yes, yeah, exactly. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That, I, mean, that I mean, I mean, I guess the thing that's done the most is horror in space. I mean, that's done so much. Well, horror not- or Western. I mean, you, you, you know, like, because, and those make sense in some ways. The whole point of space is that it's very lonely and 
terrifying things can happen. Um, I always think with, with things in space, like uh, we haven't done it yet, but Gravity, the opening crawl for Gravity, um, the movie uh, with Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. Um, right. There's like this opening crawl that basically says space, being in space is insane. It's like, you know, minus whatever, like there's no oxygen, like you can't survive unless you're in this little ship. The point is, is like, you know, this is always sort of overlooked a lot in, in a lot of the space stuff. And so horror and, and Westerns kind of make the most sense. Are we going to have to do Interstellar at some point? Well, I think, yeah, probably. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of a thing to do. Yeah, I just, I, I, I remember not loving it, even though it has like some of my very favorite actors in it. Um I if we had to pick a Nolan, that would not be the that would not be my first what choice. Would you actually. choose? I would choose Inception. I didn't like that either. <laughs> I enjoyed Inception a little more than Interstellar, but um, but and also like it was a more mind bendy thing, so I kind of liked that. But uh, well, we can we, we can we, we can uh, we can figure that out. Or like we should actually, I hadn't thought about this. We should choose a Nolan to do when Oppenheimer comes out. We could do Oppenheimer. Or we could do Oppenheimer. Well, I, Which is, I mean, I think sort of, it qualifies as science. Yeah, okay. Fiction. Yeah, that, or science <laughs> fact, one of the two. Uh, all right, we might have to do summer plans. Um, oh, yes, Billy, the DFW one is called the Mixing Bowl. Um, I am glad that I, I had never Googled why are the Texas interchanges so high. Um, but I'm glad to see that I'm not the only person that's ever thought that. Actually, I did want to, there was one last point that, that um, in the question, which is an interesting one, which is, we, I think we were talking about it in the idea of, of TV or movies, but I do think that if you're reading a book, it's slightly different. Like weirdly for me, I think I might like the mysteries more in book form than in, in movie form. I know that sounds strange. Yeah. And I, I, I like both. Um, yeah. The romance one that I read was a book. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if how I would feel about it. Uh, like a, I think the idea of a rom-com in space is is interesting. Um, I'm not like a huge rom-com fan in general, but I'm trying to think of other genres that would be that you could put in space. Yeah, I think of rom-coms the same way I think of Chicago deep dish pizza, which is to say that when it's done, I'm gonna you'll hear the analogy. Okay. <laughs> when done well, it is transcendent. But when done badly, it's just like, why would you eat this? Or why would you why would you do this? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's musicals in they could be musicals in space. Hmm. Um, you know what I just thought? <laughs> there's a lot of workplace comedies in space. Like basically. Like if you like think the office about, in space. Yeah. There's kind of like, I mean, the Star Trek, all the Star Treks are kind of like work that's true and actually um there's that show that we both thought should have been better than it actually was uh, avenue five avenue five which is a workplace comedy in space it's definitely a workplace comedy in space yeah uh and then what was another one that i had the idea for just a second it occurred to me workplace comedies um damn it it will come to me or it won't come to oh i remember i was going to say a medical drama in space oh okay Oh, that you mean like ER work. in space or, ER or like space. ER in space? Okay, yeah, that I kind of like. That would be good. Yeah, that could work. Okay, um, I'm keeping summer plans till the end, Billy, just yeah. FYI. Um, 
Why are there any stories about dinosaur ghosts? Billy, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate this question. Even though I don't know how to even begin answering it. Because dinosaur I, ghosts can't talk? Well, but there's haunted, there's other, some ghosts can't talk, some human ghosts can't talk. Uh, I guess. They're silent. Like the ring ghost is silent. That's true. And other ghosts. I think there are no dinosaur ghosts because his people aren't as creative as Billy. <laughs> I think yeah. it's also because, how do I put this gently? Doesn't the dinosaur need a motivation then? Like, you know, what is... How do we know they didn't have motivations, Dan? Why would they be motivated to, like, there's no overlap with humans. Like, it's not like humans wipe them off the face of the earth. I, I could see them haunting meteors or something. Like, you know, that's where the vengeance would come in. I guess but, we have very different ideas about what what creates a ghost. I guess what I think, maybe I'm wrong here, but I always think that, that ghosts, you know, are tied into, usually if there's a ghost haunting, there's a reason why they're connected to whoever it is they're haunting. Maybe it's because it's the same place or something. You know, like they're occupying a new the, right. the house or something, but or another or, like within the rules of genre reason yeah. that ghosts exist is that mm -hmm. they can't let go. Right. I can imagine a dinosaur refusing to believe that it died. I, <laughs> I don't know. This always this makes me think of that Pixar movie about dinosaurs that wasn't very good. Um the one that asked what happens if the dinosaurs hadn't been wiped out. Right. I actually, I, I like this question because I've, I've also always appreciated animal and pet ghosts. Ah, okay. Um, I, I appreciate pets even if they are undead pets. Um, I mean, if they're cuddly undead pets, not like, you know, church from Pet Cemetery. <laughs> uh, <laughs> although Pet Cemetery is, it is one of the scariest books. Like I, I, I think it's one of Stephen King's heroes. He said that he it's the book that he doesn't like to read. He won't reread. Huh. Well, because it has to do with the death of a child. Right, right, right. And it's about grief. Like, that's ultimately what it's about. And the toxicity of prolonged grief. Huh. And uh, it's really scary. Um, all right. Are we going to have to go to summer plans, Billy? <laughs> do we have anything going? Like, let's see. There's in the chat. Um, Carrie is interchanged. That's nice. Um, and Doug, I think it was a good dinosaur. Thank you, Billy. Yes. Uh, all right. We can go with summer plans. Oh, Stephen King question. Okay. We have a Stephen King plan for cold sci-fi winter. Oh. Wait, are we doing Cold Sci-Fi Winter again? I don't remember that. I did think we? we are. And we talked about doing The Shining for Cold Sci-Fi Winter. We did talk about doing The Shining. You're right. Yes, that's correct. We agreed. On and I'm going to make yeah. us do The Shining no matter what, I guess, because it's one of my very favorite books. I we're going to do the book, right? Just to be clear, we're going to do the book. Yeah, we're going to do the book. Um, okay, good. Yeah. Uh, we, it's funny. We could do like a patron-only episode that we just chat about the movie. Like... We, <laughs> Um, cause the movie is really interesting. Hmm. Uh, it's not the book, but it's really no. interesting. Yeah. Uh, the book is about alcoholism. Right. And it's just a really, I, 
I remember, yeah, it it got scarier for me once I got sober. Oh, that's interesting. That's I can really tell you now. I mean, I'll probably tell the story when we do the thing too. But because there's a scene where, so it's it's said in the book, he goes to do he goes to the overlook to get away from booze. Mm-hmm. Like that's right. Yeah. You know, I drink too much. Let's go to the middle of nowhere <laughs> where all of the booze will have been taken away. Right. Like there's literally nothing on the property, right? Like, mm-hmm. have you ever been there, by the way? No, I, I really want to go. Oh, I have. Yeah. Uh, and so he's whatever. He's going slowly, going crazy, and he's craving booze. And he walks into the empty bar and imagines booze, and then it appears. That would be terrible. Okay, I see the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I do remember that moment, reading that moment in the book and thinking, oh, like he, like he, when he, the first drink he has, it was, it was like, I mean, I knew enough about addiction to, oh no, it's going to end badly, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. The idea that you, because it's, I mean, yeah, that's what addiction can be like, right? Like it, it haunts you unless you do something, unless you actually, I would, you know, in recovery, like it will just follow you. It's interesting to me. I mean, I'm gonna, we'll have to talk about this when we get to round of the the when we get to cold stuff. I wonder, but like Stephen King was an alcoholic, and at that point, he was not a recovering alcoholic. No, so, that's what he yeah. said. He's talked about how he's surprised that that's like. Although it's a little bit about, I guess his dad was an alcoholic. Although his dad left the family pretty early. Hmm. Um, but yeah, he's, it's also about it's also about bad dads. Yes, there's, there's no yeah, problem. and which is a little bit. Stephen King has a little bit of a bad dad thing but um but he said that he's surprised by how much is about alcoholism and that's why it's sort of interesting you know the sequel about dr sleep is explicitly about recovery Hmm. like danny gets sober during the book oh wow yeah i recommend it it's Hmm. it's not as good it's not like Stephen king's best novel but it's one of my favorite portrayals of recovery the movie did you see the movie the movie didn't get great reviews of memory service. I keep meaning to see it. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. I don't know. Like, oh, yeah. okay. um, I think, did we both go see the D and D? We both did see the D and D movie actually. Yes. Uh, and to answer your, to answer your question, it was delightfully goofy. Um, yeah. Chris you know, Pine. It's, it's Chris Pine. Michelle Rodriguez is really good in it. Um, and, uh, Hugh Grant is delightfully Hugh Grantic, Grantish in the, in meaning he's, you know, uh, he's who he is. And he's, then what's the, really He's much, so much better at being a cad than he is. Yes. Being. I, you know, you have to, whoever was it, whoever cast him in Bridget Jones's diary, I think finally like unlocked something in Hugh Grant that, that you hadn't seen until that point. And, and he's yeah. extremely good in that, uh, in that role. And then also the guy from Bridgerton was, uh, has got a bit role in it. He's good as well. Renee, Renee John Page, I think oh, is his name. And um, just Justice Smith plays the wizard and I like him. Oh, the young bumbling was it? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's a, it's a, it's delightful, and I know nothing about D and D. Like, I, I, you don't have to know anything about D and D to yeah. watch the movie. Like, there's um, no, like, I'm not sure. There's, there's probably in jokes, but like, it really, there's it's not, a lot. Yeah, I did. But there's like, things. there's no twenty sided die or anything. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, there's no in jokes that you will miss something if you don't get them, but right, there are exactly. apparently a yeah. lot of like in jokes, but. Uh, Chris Pine is great. He's just, he's just, you know, up there with the Chris's just really one of the best Chris's. Um, I think he's actually the, as an actor, I think he's the best Chris. 
That is you know what? Point. What Chris Evans is better than we give him credit for. We've talked oh, no, about I'm not denying Chris Evans is a good actor. I mean, look, they all have strengths. Okay. Yes. I mean, we're going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And Chris you Pratt know. is great. Chris Pratt that. is great in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's not, there's no such thing as a bad Chris in the sense of acting, but Chris Pine, I think of all of them, probably has the greatest range, is the way I would put it. I think the greatest range for sure. Yeah. That like, he can do, he can do like really goofy comedy. Like, and in DD is like half comedy. And, you know, he was also amazing in Don't Worry Darling, which was a bad film. The only good, really, well. Like, no, Florence Pugh was amazing in it too. It was too, very but, good. But it's just the I two of them. Like, the two of them, I would like to see the movie that had two of them. <laughs> no, you know what I would love to see? I would love to have seen a movie, like someone should write a movie based on two really good actors appearing in a movie that they know is a shit sandwich. Because you do kind of get that feeling that they knew. Like yeah. Florence Pugh knew. I mean, like she said basically, like this was <laughs> And yet she like committed. It wasn't like she's not winking at the camera at all in that film. She is acting the hell out of it. No. So. Um speaking of which, I didn't know she was in the second Dune movie, which I cannot wait, I cannot wait, I cannot wait. It looks so good. <laughs> I'm really, really excited. Um, it's gonna be fun. It's it's gonna be fun. All right, are we oh, here we go. Do we have any questions for the Discord residents? Oh, that's well, you're the one on the chat here. Um, that kind of flips the script on this. Um, the burning question we have is actually, so we're going to be recording, and I, I posted this, we're going to be recording uh, our thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy um, at some point this weekend. If you have questions, if and admittedly you have to have seen the film, but if you have a question, um, right. tell, tell the Discord to post that. Um, I'm trying to think. What can we... Uh, what can we do? I guess the question could be, okay, so, you know, I feel a little bad about this because I think the last time we did an episode where it, it, it emanated or bubbled up from the discord was the Futurama episode where Anna and I were not quite as crazy about those episodes or about that, that show as, as I think the members of the discord were. So I, I think I have two questions then for the discord. Is there something else you would like us to do? Because we do have, as we're not kidding when we say we're always open to ideas. So let us know. More interestingly, are there any things you don't want us to do? Oh. Wow. Yeah. And, and then we'll do the. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to know if there's taboo. Like, oh, I can we, I mean, should we. Are we not. Can we not do Barbarella, for example, or something like that? Billy says he thought the Futurama episode was fair. And I think we were fair. And also. Oh, yeah, and we didn't hate it, to be clear. Like, it we was obviously just. Legit. It, it it was actually, and I'm glad we did it because it was yeah. it, it drove home to me that um, the degree to which like a moment in time is important for yeah. something. Yeah. Like, there's also was a lesson of um, uh, the movie that um, you liked the whatever the oh Buckaroo Banzai Buckaroo Banzai the Buckaroo Banzai movie is like a snapshot in time for you. Yes, it is. Right. Um, and I think maybe Event Horizon is a little bit, although I think my, no, I think Event Horizon is. <laughs> well, that's fair, Anna. <laughs> no, Horizon. but you watch, you watch, you liked Event Horizon as an adult. I think it's, it's, it's movies that you see as, as a, a kid or a teenager or yeah. maybe in your early twenties that like. Or even, cause I was thinking about how I think for a whole generation, like the office is maybe not as great as we think it is. Like. I mean, yes. 
You know, I mean, I still watch The Office and I still mm -hmm. love it. And I've seen the dinner party episode probably 20 times. And I will continue to watch the dinner party episode as kind of a tradition for me and my friend Tracy. Like, like it's Tracy. our, it's our, she's not in the Discord. No, I know. But that, that that's who I was thinking of. So go, yeah, ahead, go ahead. Uh, but like, it's sort of a tradition, like when we're depressed or something, or like, mm -hmm. it, it's the go-to. Huh. It's, go it's, it's the best episode of the entire series. But is that the one with the neon sign? So I, I'm not actually a huge fan of The Office. Here's my my The Office was like, like I, I okay, go ahead. No, no, no. Like so like for most people who like The Office, for me it's always been 30 Rock. That is like my comfort rock. my comfort for comedy. And they are very different forms of comedy, I would argue. But also um, maybe not quite it's also of its time. Perhaps, but like I will I will never know. They not don't air the blackface rock. episode anymore. Which is <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yes, fine. Like you know, whatever. But like, there is a goofiness to the Thirty Rock that I just I love, and also the Jack Donaghy character, which is truly unique in that. And I have used Reaganing as a verb before. Like, <laughs> Reaganing is a really helpful verb, and also yeah. never go with a hippie to a second location. Oh, that's that might be the greatest line written in a sitcom. Well, the Carrie Fisher episode, actually, yes. I will put up there as yeah. a genius. Like that yeah. is not is timeless. Like, yeah. yeah, that's a really good episode. But I think maybe the, in, I think in terms of like great comedies of all time, like we'll be watching in 50 years or whatever, 30 Rock probably holds up better than The Office. Maybe, although it's, it's close. I mean, you know, but it's the acting. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, The Office has some good, well, whatever. Like, I just, because I rewatched it twice when I was depressed last year. <laughs> I rewatched the first six seasons twice. <laughs> Let me put it this way. I, to the extent that, like, that comedy, like, what I, I am much more a fan of Parks and Rec than The Office, I guess. I, and I am not a huge fan of the first See, That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and then uh, we probably, this is like wait, going way, this is really getting into the weeds of like The Office um, <laughs> versus 30 Rock versus whatever. Um, oh, you know what actually also does hold, Arrested Development is genuinely timeless and hilarious and good. You know, so wait, let me ask you something. Um, and, and then the I will. Episodes, which are not as good. Okay. That was what, because I haven't seen the Netflix episodes. I never, we never not got around good. to it. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. All right. I think but, we're. Done answering that. Um, we have another question though, and this Yay. is good. There we go. Um, Anna, do you want to take this one first? I and have then not I can... seen any of the John Wick movies because the idea of a pet dying is just so triggering for me. <laughs> I can't. Oh my God, Anna. Wow. You really? Oh. Anna, I actually think you need to watch these films. Um, I mean, I love Keanu. I mean, talk about like, a like actors who, because for some reason I think of him, he's almost like a Chris uh, in <laughs> that he's just like a fundamentally good guy who's mm -hmm. also in a lot of action movies. Yeah. Um, and he, I actually read a story about him recently that he was very, whatever, he has an age appropriate girlfriend among other things. Um, but he seems like a good person. Oh, but, yeah. Did you see um, Always Be My Maybe? No. Oh, uh, this is the, it's on Netflix. It's with Ali Wong and Randall Park. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Watch she, it. 
Keanu Reeves plays himself, a version of himself, for about 15 minutes in that movie, and it's the funniest goddamn thing you will ever see. All right, but you've seen the John Wick movies. And I have I seen the John Wick movies, yes. I was um, you myself at some point. Oh, speaking of dogs, you answer that question. While I, I will answer that. Okay, so I have a few thoughts on the John Wick movies. Uh, I'm glad you asked, Carrie. Um, first of all, how do I put this gently? I love the world building in, in the John Wick films, particularly the first one, you know, which is great. But by the last one, I am kind of curious what percentage of the global economy is devoted to assassination, because it seems like it's an awful lot. Um, and so that was one thing I, I kept noticing. Um, the more interesting thing is, as you say, is the treatment of norms. The idea that, you know, even in a world of hitmen, um, there are certain things you are not supposed to do. Like you can't kill anyone on the Continental or... If you are, you know, uh, if a marker is put out on you, you can somehow still get safe passage somewhere. Um, I, I do think that, as I said, the first film is interesting that way. I even think maybe the second and third film are. I just watch, I did watch the fourth film. I was legitimately surprised at how many people thought the fourth film was great. I did not think it was that great. And part of the problem is, is that I think after a certain point, they kind of ran out of norms and alliances they could do. And so they just started inventing new shit, um, you know, like the emissary or like other, like it, it, it was, you could see that like they were on a Mexican writing binge trying to find ways to muck with the, the initial setup in terms of the writing. But that first film, I freaking love. Um, I, I love the first John Wick. Um, and this, the next two, the action are is amazing. Like the the thing about Anna, this is why you need to see these films. Like I, I know that the dog dying is is tough, but you can probably fast forward through that. Um, and, and also, to be fair, it does kind of happen off camera. But um, here's the thing about the films: the action is so amazing that I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you're watching a film and you actually just start laughing because. The action is so ridiculously amazing. Oh yeah, that you will do that I when you watch the John Woo movie. Yeah, like... yeah. The the particularly the second and third John Wick films have action that is absolutely insane and like caused me to laugh multiple times because it was that good. Um, and the first one is just a really good tight story, um, and also has some pretty good action as well. And that's like the invention of gun fu, which is uh, which was which was well done. Yeah. I think it's it's face off that is one of the ones that like sorry face off has we we should John Woo yeah oh we should do oh I had God yeah that does count as sci fi I think given the given the the premise yeah yes. um, and, yeah. and it has that is one of the ones where I've been I he, remember what he used to do I mean I'm actually now I really want to do it because his stuff used to seem so out Fresh. of box right. And and it's been now become part of the vocabulary of action. Right. So yeah. Well, I mean, I think in the '90s, John Woo was still considered exotic, whereas now it's just everyone knows. You know. Yeah. To John. Yeah. Woo. Um. All right. So I will. I mean, knowing that he gets a new dog helps. Honestly, mm -hmm. like Carrie may be responsible for me being able to watch the. Okay. And I will tell you, as I said, like I think the first film is a great revenge film. The next two are are amazing in terms of action. The the one that just came out, I actually wasn't as much of a fan. Like, I have not read and will refuse to read Cujo, for instance. Like, I'm oh. just, it's not going to happen. Okay. There's actually someone else. So I'm, you know, I'm a reoccurring 
uh, panelist for the Stephen King podcast. And there's one of the hosts has never and will never do Cujo because he has the same like pet yeah. sheet that I have. Um, all right. So do we have any more? No. Are we are we down to I think we're down to the summer plans, Anna. All right. Um thank you so much, everyone who came. Uh I feel like this is some well, this we're gonna do a lot, have a lot more people at the next one because we're finally gonna announce it on a regular basis. And yes. it's we're finally gonna keep it. We have I do think we need to apologize. Actually, you know, Billy, if you're still there, do do to extend our apologies to the Discord because I think we did March. We didn't do April. We've, we've been a little erratic on the AUAs this year. Um, I think mostly because there's been scheduling stuff and, you know, we, we haven't gotten our shit together. We now have an assistant who will be helping us with this. Um, and, I introduced you know, Jessica in the newsletter. Yeah, yeah. And so there, there's going to be more content. That's the way we would put it. There's going to be more content. I also think it's funny that Jessica thinks we work too hard. <laughs> Well, it's not work is the answer. For That's us. what we told her. Yeah. Uh, um, fun summer plans. Uh, I am going to Minnesota for a month. Uh, that is my one vacation this year. Uh, I found a little one room cabin in Lutzen, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And uh, I reserved it early enough. And it is a rather basic. <laughs> You're going to have to text me photos on this one. <laughs> I'm going to want to see this. Rather, it's a, it's not primitive. Okay. Good. It has like all the plumbing and wires and, you know, uh, but it's, it's small. Um, then it allows dogs. I'm going to bring actually with me. Um, but we had both had a really hard time this past summer. Like I, it's funny. I never really experienced the seasonal depression in Minnesota where it got dark at four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But this past summer, Oh, because like, it was so hot? It was so hot. Like, oh, I got really down. Like, it was huh. hard. Wow. And poor Exley, as a long-haired black doggy, yeah. also was unhappy. So we're going to go be in a place where it's regularly below 80. Um, and it's funny, though, speaking of the one-room cabin, one of my friends lives up there. Um, and <laughs> she's one of my favorite people in the world. Her name is Maria. Um, I met her through, uh, 12 steps and then she kind of disappeared off the face of the earth for a while. And I was like, Oh, you know, cause no. she was newly sober when I met her and uh, like, okay. and yeah. then she got in touch with me and she was like, I couldn't stand living in the big city, Minneapolis. So she, she bought for, I think like $30,000, a one, like a cabin way up North, Jesus. um, for, with no indoor plumbing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And she lives up there. Is there an outhouse? Yeah. Oh God. Uh and she lives up there. It does have plumbing, but just not a toilet, I believe. Okay. Um, I think it may it may not be an outhouse, but like I know it's like a it's a it's a rough setup. Um and she lives up there with her five sled dogs. And she sleds and she works as a vet tech. And I think that is an amazing life. And she's going to, she's like the only person that will be within, you know. It sounds like a spinoff for Northern Exposure, but yeah, that does sound nice. Yeah. And somehow she finds people to date. 
and I've always been very impressed. That's legit impressive. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's impressive. Although she's gay and sometimes I think maybe oh. lesbians are willing to go that extra mile. <laughs> <laughs> well, what isn't that? Uh, no, I'm not going to say that joke. Isn't it the joke like, you know, a, a lesbian second date contains a U-Haul or, so, or involves a yeah. U-Haul or something? Yeah, that's sort of what that's. She's made this joke herself. About okay, good. Yeah. Her yeah. Right. So. Um, well, I've met a lovely new friend. Um, his name is Harlan Crow, and I, <laughs> you know, I, I'm really looking forward to this because, like, apparently we're going to go on a fancy pants vacation, and then I don't know. I got to write some paper or something. He wants no, nothing just, from you. Exactly. He wants nothing from me. You know what? And I'm offended that anyone would even think that 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 I would in any way change what I would do because someone was giving me that much money. No. Um, so my summer plans, uh, actually, on Tuesday, I am headed out to Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan. Is a, <laughs> no, it's Central Asia. <laughs> it is Central Asia, okay? That's how we all call it. Uh, but I will be gone for nine or ten days. Um, and so that that's one trip. Uh, then in June, I am looking forward to this. I'm going to be giving a talk at the University of Amsterdam and then a talk at Chatham House in London. So I'll be doing Amsterdam, then taking the train to London spending a lovely weekend there, giving a talk and then coming back here. Um, and then, uh, you know, a few family vacations along the way. Mostly, this is, how do I put this? So this week I taught my last class. I've graded everything. I'm done in that department, which means that in my brain now, there is a big clock counting down the days until the fall semester, which is great because this is the time when I can do real writing and, you know, like be completely, you know, focused on that. Um, and so like, it's only faint now. I can't, I'm not really paying attention to the clock. Like, but once we get to like mid June, it's going to be like, Hey, get your ass up and like start, start really writing. So, but I'm feeling pretty good actually. Cause like I was supposed to, I, I committed to writing four papers um, in the first six months of this year and I've got three down and one left. So I'm, feeling pretty good. It's a lot of papers. It feels like a lot of papers. It's a lot of papers. Yes. I, I overcommitted and I've got to stop doing that. And I feel like I did it to kind of avoid writing this book that I still really actually do want to write, but I, I don't know why it found it intimidating and I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm going to write the goddamn book. I still have to, I have to call my agent and tell him what was I thinking that I thought I was going to write my book in 18 months. That's not going to happen. Oh God. <laughs> I've already, I already talked to him once and was like, I think I was optimistic. And he was like, take whatever time you need. Like no one wants you to like. That was good. That no was one good. wants to rush you. Yeah, no, this has been tough. Like I normally, by academic standards, I'm pretty good. I usually hand in my drafts on time, which by academic standards means I'm a goddamn miracle. But yeah. this book has been one where I've had to sort of say, no, no, I'm going to blow past this deadline. And you know, and I hate doing that because I because I'm not doing this through an agent. I have to talk to the editor directly. Yeah, I mean, I think my editor is going to understand. Like, I think, yeah, I mean, my plan is sort of a good news, bad news strategy. Mm -hmm. And uh, the bad news is I think I need more time. And the good news is I it's going to be good. Like, that's good. That's that's a really good. Well, it's already going to be good. But like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just feel like I've already found out so much about my family and I've already had like real, you know, I mean, you've been with me a little bit on this journey, Dan. So I think. I'm I not going to lie on it. I'm hoping my name gets in the acknowledgements. That's all I, I kind of want. Though. 
All right. I'll add you. I already have a list. Oh, thank you. Okay. I'll add you. Appreciate um, for because for sure. Uh, I wonder how I'm going to be able to work in space the nation into the book. Right. So I guess this has been really fun. Thank you, yeah. both Carrie and I think Doug was just lurking and um, Billy. And we will release this uh, as a audio, and maybe I'll put it up as video as well. Um, for that YouTube channel that's going to happen. Right. Um, Which again, this is thanks to Jessica. So, you know, we're, we're, it was great great, for yeah. For, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. She actually has, a, yeah, like her, <laughs> we just, I thought we kind of knew what we were doing, Dan. <laughs> I mean, we kind of do. We've been, we have been doing this podcast for three years now, I think. Like, you know, so it's not nothing, but, but that doesn't mean it can't be better. And we are very grateful to Jessica for that. Yeah, that's right. And well, uh, I think the way I would put it is we are grateful to Jessica for making this better. And at the same time, not making Anna and I feel like we're the dumbest people on the face of the earth. That is a skill. And like, she's doing that to perfection. Well, you know, her background is teaching elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> that's a perfect way to close out. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. Uh, right. See you, you on the internet. How do I leave?